In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, freaks and geeks of all ages, welcome one and welcome all to Planet Grindhouse, brought to you by Horror Obsessive Radio, where other podcasts look at the A-list movies, the creme de la creme of cinema, Planet Grindhouse focuses on the other letters of the alphabet from B all the way through to Z. Here at Planet Grindhouse, we revel in the sometimes brilliant but mostly awful films that have been committed to celluloid. Driving movies that you would walk out of, horror movies that are as horrifying as a basket full of kittens in mittens, and sci-fi movies where the set wobbles and they leave the strings in shot. This is our domain. I am your host, Neil Gray, and each week I'll be bringing you my thoughts on the world of the trashiest of cinema. From comparing films to best of lists, from essential viewing to history lessons, Planet Grindhouse promises to bring you the best of the worst that has ever graced the silver screen. With the Halloween season in full swing, I thought for our first ever Planet Grindhouse, I'd look at black exploitation horror and see if any movies that came out under that banner were actually good or decent or at least passable. That's because if I had to choose, if you put a gun against my head and said, pick a movie star and I'm going to do to your brains what Kanye's latest rants has done to his career, I'd A, wonder how you got into my damn house, and B, pick exploitation as my favourite of all the genres that have ever been invented. There's just something about exploitation that appeals to me on a different level. It lived fast and it died young, even though there has been many attempts to resurrect its corpse over the past four decades or so. And in the space of around 10 years, it managed to spawn some truly classic movies, such as Across 110th Street, Coffee, Shaft, as well as some that were so bad, so eye-meltingly terrible, that they're masterpieces in their own right. Yes, I am looking at you, Dolomite. But what happened when black exploitation dipped its toes into the murky waters of horror? Did it manage to spawn anything that could even remotely be treated as quality cinema? Or was it just one major clusterfuck after another? If truth be told, it's a case of a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. A fair few black exploitation horrors and nothing more than violent cash grabs. 
and badly executed ones at that, where the main decree handed down by those responsible for funding these projects seemed to be as much gore and tits as possible for as little outlay as they could possibly manage. Blackenstein is one of those films that falls into this category. Made for the measly sum of $80,000 and raking in a cool $2 million at the box office. Blackenstein is the story of a Vietnam veteran called Eddie Turner, a soldier who gets splatted when he steps on the mine during the Vietnam War. He eventually finds himself in the care of a Dr. Stein. Really? Put a lot of thought into that, didn't they? Who helps him regrow his limbs through this brand new spanking formula he's created, only for said formula to have some very inconvenient side effects, such as turning him into a square afro-wearing monster who spends the vast majority of the film chasing around bucks of women in various states of undress before eating the shit out of them. And no, that is not a euphemism. Eddie eats them like he's chowing down on hot dogs at a baseball game. Blackenstein is one of those movies that is just so fucking awful, if truth be told. And there's a quote I'd like to use in the Wikipedia page on the movie that explains that at the end, Eddie, and I quote, finds a brunette attempting to start a Jeep and spends several very long minutes chasing her around in an empty industrial warehouse. Sorry. And there are several very, very long minutes. Minutes where you question what happened to you in your life that you're sat here watching this crap. But having said that, I have a soft spot for Blackenstein. This is down to the fact that it knows what it is. It's a rip-off of every other Frankenstein movie that came before it, with more gore than you can shake a Tom Savini at, and I admire it for that. It's a grab for that unholy dollar and they don't care. And it wasn't the only one. There were a fair few of those during the black exploitation area, but not all of them were terrible. And not all of them were just trying to ride in on the coattails of a more successful movie. Over on the Horror Obsessive website at horrorobsessive.com, some place I genuinely think you should go, I wrote an article about Abby, another black exploitation horror movie that got tarnished with the rip-off brush. Abby is about a woman who becomes possessed by a demon. And it's down to her husband and his father to free her from said horrible bastard. Now, Warner Brothers saw Abby and cried foul as it was released almost a year to the day after their own possession flicked The Exorcist. I think it's a year and a day, but don't hold me to that. They even took American International Pictures to court over said plagiarism and they won meaning Abby very, very nearly got wiped off the face of the planet. But in honesty, I don't think they had a case. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. 
Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. One of the biggest complaints that Warner Brothers had with Abby was that the protagonist in both Abby and The Exorcist were possessed by demons. And in that, they had a point. But outside of those two similarities, they really had nothing in common. In The Exorcist, Regan McNeil had a body taken over by the devil, whereas here, Abby Williams is inhabited by Eshu, a Western, a West African spirit of whirlwinds and chaos. But if that wasn't enough of a difference for the people, G. Cornell Lane decided that Eshu was also a sex demon. And no, I don't mean that Eshu hung around in bars boasting to anyone who would listen about his bedroom gymnastics. Luckily, a few copies of Abby still survive to this day, and if you really do enjoy trash cinema, no matter how great William H. Marshall is in it, then I can't recommend it highly enough. But Neil, you dashingly handsome font of knowledge, you, isn't there any black exploitation horror worth watching, I hear you ask? After all, all we've done for five minutes is tell us about crappy movies that should be buried under 60 tons of concrete. Well, dear listener, you're in luck as there are actually quite a few hidden gems lurking in the dirt. Straight off the bat, puns, I've got them, you've got Blackula and a much maligned sequel, Scream Blackula Scream. Released in 1972, Blackula sees Prince, now I apologise if I get this wrong, but it's a very difficult name for me to say, Prince Mamawaldi visit a certain Count Dracula to try and convince him to stop the slave trade, to which Dracula, who it turns out is a fucking racist douchebag, tells him to go fuck himself, turns him into a vampire, and lets his wife starve to death, while the prince gets to hear it all in its agonising glory, because he's locked inside a coffin, while his wife is trapped in the same crypt as him, dying to fuck. Did I mention Dracula was a fucking racist douchebag in this? When he's eventually freed from his resting place after a couple of interior decorators go to Castle Dracula and buy the whole place up kit and caboodle because plot, he finds himself in 1970s Los Angeles and just happens to bump into Tina, played by Vanette McGee, who is the spitting image of his very, very, very dead wife. Mainly because she played both characters, but shh. What follows is a love story of sorts as he's Blackula woo Tina by munching on anyone who gets in his way, while at the same time coming clean to her that he's the undead, to which he doesn't bat a fucking eyelid. Blackula is a great movie. A great movie that would have fallen into the meh category if it hadn't been for William H. Marshall. When Marshall signed on to play the iconic role, he was a stage actor who had not really dabbled in film. So the first thing he did was go to the director and the producers and say, this guy has no backstory, he needs one. Basically, without Marshall's insistence that Blackula had a soul before his transformation, a soul that is still very much evident, at least at the end of the film, then Blackula would have just been another cut-and-paste job of every vampire movie that had come before it. 
What William H. Marshall brought to Blackula was the intelligence to know that for this movie to succeed, it couldn't just be another by-the-numbers Dracula film, and his insistence that Blackula had depth to him pays off massively. Blackula was a success. Even if that success wasn't what you'd call roaring, if some figures are to believe it cost about half a million dollars to make and rate than a million at the box office, and even though that's double your money, it pales in comparison to Blackenstein, let's be honest. And in 1973, Screen Blackula Scream was released. Now, Screen Blackula Scream has long been a divisive movie amongst, well, movie fans, I suppose. Which is something I never truly understood. Just because you don't like it, I'm not supposed to. But I love it. And not for the plot about voodoo and Blackula trying to get his vampire curse lifted, which is quite clever, but because it's got Pam Greer in it, and that woman can do no wrong. I am a massive fan of Pam Greer. I fell in love with her the first time I saw Coffee, when I must have been about 10 or 11, and I went out of my way to watch and collect everything she'd ever done. But it wasn't just because a young boy about to turn into a man had an awakening that I prefer Scream Blackula Scream, but because of the chemistry between Pam Grew and William H. Marshall. Now, this isn't that much of a shot at Vanette McGee, who I think is a superb actress when she was allowed to shine, but her role in Blackula was just to be scared, then confused, then walk around like a zombie. Anyone could have done that, and the movie wouldn't have been any worse because of it. But if you take Pam Greer out of Scream Blackula Scream, then it's an entirely different film and one that would have been far, far worse off without her presence in it. But William H. Marshall walking around biting people and Pam Greer being sexy as fuck aren't the only forays into black exploitation horror worth looking into. There's Ganger and Hess, and yes, I don't like that title either. There's about Dr. Hess Green who gets stabbed with a cursed dagger and turns into a vampire himself. That is a good film. At least now it is. For years, there was only a 78-minute version available that cut out all the actual plot of the film to go for gore and exploitation because, fuck you, who needs plot when we can make money? But there's now a full 113-minute version of it you can buy that is far, far superior and turns what was just a cheap cash grab, there's that expression again, into an actual terrifying horror movie. There's also Dr. Black and Mr. White, which takes the Jekyll and Hyde formula and turns it on its head by having the main character, Dr. Henry Pride, invent a formula that turns him white when applied and leads him to go on killing sprees of magnificent proportions. And finally, I can also highly recommend J.D.'s Revenge, a subtle tale of a dead gangster possessing a young law student to seek revenge on those who were responsible for his initial violent murder. So is black exploitation horror worth your time, dear listener? Well, that all depends on what you're looking for in horror movies. I love trash cinema. I make no bones about it, and I will watch the worst crap imaginable just because I find it funny. But in a sea of shit, of which the black exploitation genre had plenty of, you can find a few pearls on the beach that are worth your time and your effort. If you like your horror with a certain amount of style, 
enough funk to make George Clinton smile, and a surprising amount of texture to its storytelling, then there are enough black exploitation horror movies to satisfy the most ardent horror fan. And if you don't want any of that, then I've heard that they're making another Conjuring movie. Maybe you should wait for that to come out. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Planet Grindhouse. And I'll be back next week with a brand new show looking at Final Girls. If you can't wait that long to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at Nil Talks Horror, at Plan Grindhouse, or even at Hobbs Radio because I'm a triple threat. And on Facebook at Hobbs Radio as well. Also, don't forget to check out the Horror Obsessive website for all the best horror news, reviews, and opinions you'll ever need. So until next week, my creatures of the night, remember, horror isn't just a genre. It's a fucking culture. Horror Obsessive In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.